Hey, it's Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. And if you're here, you probably already know that we started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. But what you may not know is that in addition to this podcast, we also host two live races in the Wilmington, North Carolina area that are designed to do the same. The first is the final countdown, which takes place on September 16th. And whether you've never run before or you're a hardcore ultra veteran, this race is designed to help you find your limits. And we will be there to help celebrate with you. And we have now opened registration for the Hydra, which will take place on April 20th and has a 50K individual, a 50K relay, and a half marathon option. Whatever option you choose, we promise that slaying the Hydra will be unlike any race you've ever experienced. All right, so mark your calendars, share with your friends, and visit us at theultrarunningguys.com or check out the links in the show notes for more info. And with that, enjoy the episode. And remember, when in doubt, just show up. My intent was to win that race, but along the journey, I was really interested in helping every single runner out there go as far as they could. Because I knew that if we could get every single runner going the farthest they humanly could, then it would maybe be possible that we could do something special and set the world record. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey to the Ultra Running Guys family. Thank you so much for being here. I've got a favor to ask. We are lucky enough to have now well over a thousand followers on Spotify. However, we've only got 70 star ratings. So if you're listening and you follow us on Spotify, please take the time. Give us that star rating. We really, really appreciate it. And if you're on Apple, we would love the review as well. But let's get to the guest. So our guest tonight really needs no introduction because he is an absolute legend. Not only is he known for his superhuman feats of endurance, but he's also known for accomplishing them with a smile on his face and for showing kindness to those around him. But just in case you have not been tracking, listen up to what he's been doing over the past 60 days. In June, he broke his previous American record of 85 laps in the backyard format by going 90 yards or 375 miles, let that sink in, in the Dead Cow Goalie Backyard Ultra. And just two weeks later, he towed the line at his 12th consecutive Badwater 135 and still finished it fast enough to capture the men's podium at third place and fifth place overall. One month later, he was scaling 17,000 feet of vert and 73 miles at the Canadian Death Race to finish fourth just in time to recover and get back to run commuting to school to kick off his 22nd year of teaching. And if all that isn't inspiring enough, Amazon recently released his incredible documentary, Like Harvey, Like Son, following his 2018 attempt to set the FKT on the Appalachian Trail while being accompanied by his father, Harvey Lewis Jr. We're so excited to pick his brain about his adventures, talk mindset, and get his thoughts on the upcoming Biggs Backyard Ultra. And with that, Harvey Lewis, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thank you so much, Jeremy. And Jeff, it's a, a pleasure to be here. And uh, man, it's, uh, I'm, I'm like, well, that was a lot of adventures. So. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. It is a crash course for summer school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get <laughs> ready. Well, yeah, it seems a lot easier after the you know some of the events for sure. 
it's kind of wild to be starting the 22nd year of teaching. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and we didn't even mention, I know you spent some time in the Azores. And, and I think before we go, I want to hear a little bit about, you know, your adventure kind of travel company, but you're, you're a busy guy. You pack a lot into life. Um, and so we're, we're excited to pick your brain a little bit, but before we start, I want to give a shout out to Jeff Harmon. He's a listener. He reached out to us. He's actually the one that got us connected with you. Uh, so Jeff, just thanks so much. We appreciate you, man, more than you know. Yeah, it pays to have listeners who know people. He absolutely raves about you guys, and and he is one of uh, my favorite people in the world. Such a, a giving guy, giving spirit, and um, I've had a, a lot of pleasure of running different races with Jeff and he always uh, seems to be sandbagging because he'll say, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm not really, you know, maybe ready for this race. But then he'll go out and like just like over excel. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, I love people like he's that. He's a character. He's been very, very generous to us. We appreciate him. And he's got a cool first name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, right. it's mine. <laughs> Jeff, I do like your first name. You're welcome. Um, all right. Well, so here's the deal, man. We, you told us before we started, you got to get out for your third run. So we're going to try to keep on track here, <laughs> even though there's so much to talk about. So we're going to start first. We, we want to, like I said, we want to pick your brain about mindset. We do want to talk about bigs that's coming up, but we've also got some curiosity. So just kind of some different questions, right? So the first question, somebody's listening. It's unlikely they don't know who you are, but if they just heard all that, the first question is, why do you do what you do? Like, what is the driver? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's so many different reasons, honestly. Like, I get so much out of running. Uh, it, it keeps me young. I mean, I feel like I'm 20 years old. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. Uh, I love doing these crazy events one after another. But uh, it definitely, like, uh, keeps uh, my mind and my body, like, physically like at the best it can be most of the time except for like the day or two after the race then i look a bit like uh oh geez i look terrible maybe depending on the event but that that's definitely a motivation just that euphoria that the added energy you get in life uh by just being active and doing these races is like an, an incredible intrinsic reward that even if I wasn't doing any of these races and winning races or any of this other stuff, just the action of participating feels like dancing to me. Like, I mean, it's like music. It's like the nature, it's the positive stimulus it gives me. And then also meeting people. So I, I love the, the opportunity to meet people locally, but also like all around the world. So no matter where I run, no matter what state you're in, uh, what city, what country, like we as as a running community can really connect quickly with each other. And that's always like exciting. And then just the uh, the sheer adventure of the different races from like things like a local race uh, that might be like the Flying Pig Marathon all the way to like the Badwater 135 in Death Valley. So maybe like some little tiny 5k race, like just those events are, they, they just add a little added light, you know, energy to life. So, I mean, that's kind of like a little short statement, but I could feel like talk all night about all the reasons <laughs> to run. 
Yeah, but it, it sounds like you get fueled by the people that you get to experience these races with, but also just from being outside and being able to participate. It's just like it, it almost it, it's the extrovert who just gets absorbing so much energy from so many external factors and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I run commute every day back and forth to work. And this is the start of my 11th year with that. And like just this morning, I can think about like I tell my students, like if I had to to make a choice between taking a brand new Ferrari, the highest grade one, and like being able to run commute back and forth to work. And I had to choose, I'd choose the run commute. <laughs> so that might sound a little crazy, but this morning, I mean, it was just so like uh, refreshing to get up, run out the door, go through the park, see the sunrise, feel the air, the, the see, see things happening. And then I get to work and I just, I was really sweaty this morning because we were having a really big heat wave and it took me like a while to get like, I'm just like profusely sweating, but it also just was the greatest like start to work I can have. Like uh, I, I come in, I'm like invigorated, like ready to go. It's a different feeling than when I think back to, you know, driving into work and being stuck in traffic and those years I had to do that. I definitely see all these extrinsic feelings from running for sure just out of curiosity what grade do you teach i have the 11th graders and 12th graders and subject i teach social studies so i have government and financial literacy the ap government ap government well done sir <laughs> well done <laughs> oh a little bit i have two two balls of that but I actually do every Tuesday, I take like two, three minutes and we, I do like a Tuesday health tip to start the class off. I actually kind of tie that to financial literacy as well, because I say like taking good care of your health has an impact on your overall quality of life and also on your, your financial well-being as well uh, in, in some cases, in many cases, actually. So, yeah, it, I think it's important like that we get more education into the schools about health and like well-being is something that we uh students get like a semester in ohio for health class but like they might cover nutrition in like a week or maybe a little more than that and maybe it's taught by someone who's not really that interested in teaching it so it, it, it there's a variety of things that could happen with, but there could be a benefit from having more education about those subjects 100 <laughs> percent Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, do you think your students understand? Is that what you're thinking? No, go ahead. Do, do you think your students understand? Yeah, I know you're a humble guy, but do you think they understand who they're getting health tips on? I mean, from, from outside looking in, right? I mean, we know that in certain arenas, I mean, you're best in class. Do they understand who they're getting health tips from? Um, a little bit more now. Like, uh, yeah, probably a little bit, but maybe not. Like uh, you're on like Amazon, a, so that probably helps. They might not understand. Like if I were to say, "Oh yeah, I ran 375 miles," it's it's hard for a lot of people to like conceptualize that. Right. But they know how I am. Like they see me running, you know, when they're riding the bus or driving in, and so, or they'll see me like you know running in this nearby state. They see me all over the place. So they they know that I do these kind of crazy things to a degree. 
I'm just laughing because it's not even like one of the main areas we want to talk about, but I could spend probably 30 minutes just talking about his interactions with students because I think it's fascinating. <laughs> because to me, I would be just like blown away that this is my teacher. Right. Like, Mr. Lewis, tell me a little bit more about this. Mr. Lewis, tell me about that. How do you do that, I have Mr. To be Lewis? careful not to get sidetracked, you know? Right? <laughs> yeah, stay on topic. Like, that, that, yeah, I have to always yeah, not get carried away. Yeah, we do push-ups and like planks too. So we'll we'll add that in there and like, other things like little stretching or balancing on one leg, flipping sides and stuff like that. I mean, it's really great. Like, it's nice. Um, the kids are pretty interested. They're kind of interested in it, you know? And it's like just little small doses are nice. Yeah. Well, it's got to yeah. make such an impact. And if for some reason and your students are listening, uh, my my message to them is, soak it in because yeah. I think there's a lot of people that would love to be in that classroom. Uh, but because I know I was curious and I've heard some of the answers, right. But our audience may not have, how far is, are you running each way to school? And then where do you shower Harvey? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I know it's hard for some people to get over that idea. Like that. I, I actually run the work and I just like literally uh, change my clothes I like towel off and just put on fresh clothes. Uh, so I kind of compared it to maybe like New York City, like someone who like yeah. walks to work like a few miles. Yeah, I mean, I've had like the I've had the mayor, I've had like Congress members, had president, like you know, I had like lots of people. No one's ever said anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I love maybe, it. Yeah, maybe they're just being quiet, being nice about it. But no, what? like literally just uh just changing clothes when I get there. And then when I when I'm ready to go home, I just change back or change into different clothes. The shortest distance is three miles. When I'm starting to ramp up my mileage, like yesterday I ran uh 15 miles total. Okay. Um between like going to work, I ran like a short way is like three miles. Now on the way home I ran 12 miles. So it depends on like what the day is. But I'm always doing at least um like six miles round trip. And that's like, if you look at my total mileage and I cover a lot of my weekly mileage just by my run commutes, which is, I had to be creative because with being busy initially, like when I started that run commute 11 years or 10 years ago, my son was like a senior in high school. And I have other responsibilities, like looking after my mother the last five years, six years, a couple nights a week. My fiance lives in another city, a Circleville, so it's an hour and 45-minute drive that I make every week. I live uh, Monday through Friday in Cincinnati and then Friday to Monday morning in Circleville. So everyone has different goals. But for me, like my goal is to perform at like a, a very high level and go for like the win in these races. So like I have to like really find creative ways to manage my time and be able to do like the workouts too. So like the run commute is like phenomenal. I think it's great. And for anybody that's mm -hmm. listening, cause it's one of those things that you go, like you said, Oh, I'm busy. I don't know that I have time or maybe, Hey, there isn't a shower. Right. And there's these things, but it's very clear that it's doable. And I've heard you talk about, we're going to jump to something else. Cause I know we're tight on time, but I've heard you talk about the impact mm -hmm. of that. Right. And it sounds like it's been a very positive impact, probably I mean, I would imagine just the consistency alone. Right. So it's a good option for somebody if they're really looking for how to fit stuff in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know it's not feasible for everyone. Some people live 20 miles from work. <laughs> It'd be a little bit challenging, maybe do it a couple of times a month. 
But I've been doing it going all the way back. Like I used to do catering in Minneapolis and I would like go cater a party in Minneapolis, like on the south side of Minneapolis. The party would end at like midnight and I'd run back to St. Paul. It's like about wow. 15, 20 miles. And I do it like I just change out my like uh, formal attire, throw on the running clothes. And back then our stuff was so it, it was like 1997. So we had like still like not all the tech tech gear and all that stuff. So it's like sweatshirts and things like that look ridiculous. But yeah, yeah, I think so much is like the desire to do something and you find a way no matter what that is. If you want to go do your first marathon. You want to do your first hundred mile race. If you desire it, you seek out the information, you like plan it out and then you execute it. Love it. All right. So let's jump forward. I want to know this. You've done so much. We talked about, I mean, just what you've done the last 60 days, you've been running for decades, right? There's a lot packed in. Can you narrow it down? I'm interested. What is your most memorable running experience? Does anything jump out? Yeah, that, that's a real tough one, man. I, I mean, I, like there's a thousand, like a thousand different experiences. And like, you know, that Appalachian Trail is on my mind right now because we just watched like Harvey, like Sun again in a theater earlier uh, last week. That was just such a, a very challenging event. And also something that was had ex- super highs and had lows. And it was also something I shared with my father. So that was something that I'm sure in like 20 years, I'll look back and just be like, so grateful as I am now. My gr- gratitude for that event, I can imagine will only grow. There were times in that where I, I really went in not knowing what to expect because I only had covered maybe like 10 or 12 miles of the Appalachian Trail my whole life before I jumped into that <laughs> event. And I, I thought it was gonna be easier than it was. I'm like, well, how hard can it be to run like 50 miles a day or 54 miles a day? Well, that's pretty easy to hit 54 miles, maybe for me on like a, a road setting or a flat trail. But but it, the way the Appalachian Trail is, you're basically climbing like 10,000 feet a day with that mm-hmm. system. And you're covering Mount Everest like every three days. And then it's like uh, after eight or nine days, my body was just like feeling the the pounding from going down the mountains and these steep mountains and coming up the mountains. So I, I had like injuries that I've experienced on the Appalachian trail. And I have to like, still, because I didn't want to stop or give up. I still like cover like 40 miles in a day, even though I was like feeling like uh, tendonitis in my ankles uh, or my shin rather. So I learned a lot in that experience one thing i learned is poles like hiking pole running pole <laughs> like in ohio and the midwest historically you didn't see a whole lot of running poles like ever much the first half of that appalachian trail maybe even the first 60 percent, i didn't use the poles very much at all and then the last one third of that uh, maybe definitely last 25 percent, i used the poles almost the whole time like the poles would have helped me to like survive much better that that initial like shock of like that extreme like up and down right. uh and then also like doing more with if i had someone like carl stable he had his friend come along who was a, a physical therapist when he set the record and that was like brilliant like he didn't get injured on the journey 
having someone that's able to like do some body work on you, like that would be a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did have some friends come out and do some work on me, like, but it was just like once here, once there, once there. So yeah, that, that was definitely one of those experiences that I'll never forget, especially having the documentary made, mm-hmm. having friends. I had like probably 25 different friends who I had staged and planned to come out to different portions for a day or two days or three days. And then we had to have like at least probably 40 or 50 people that came out and just ran segments with me that were complete uh, strangers. I didn't know them. So there's a lot of trail magic of people being super generous with their time. And so that, that definitely is one of those experiences that comes to mind. I'm sure. One of the things that jumps out, I think it was West Plate that we were talking to, and he did the, I think he did four 200s in a year. And he talked about the polls and he's like, I, I actually didn't want to like, I didn't want them to work better because I didn't really want to use them. And he was like, oh my gosh, they were so helpful. <laughs> and so here you say the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I went oh, without, yeah. but once I used them. <laughs> yeah. I recommend anyone listening, if, if they have not, if they like to get on trails and their trails aren't like totally flat, like uh, you know, maybe somewhere like Florida, but they live somewhere where they got trails with hills. Yeah, absolutely. Consider investing in a, in a good pair of poles and definitely like be discerning, like get poles that are light. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sponsored by a pole company. I use the Black Diamond, but I know I think uh, it's Leaky, is it? How do you say it? Like, yeah, yeah, that Kelly, my fiance uses them, uh, theirs. And I know Courtney, like when I was with her in uh, Colorado, she was using them. Yeah. It, it, it's super helpful and it's great the day after an ultra as well. So like after bad water, like find some poles, she went down to like the local, uh, supply shop and like they actually lent us some poles for a couple of days while we were in Lone Pine, just so I could use them hike around like oh that was a dream <laughs> that's so funny and you may have noticed that you asked me the name of the name and and i live on the beach in north carolina i was like i don't know what pole company i have poles because i use them for zion and everything. <laughs> yeah they're, they're black diamond as well <laughs> so, so you can tell yeah. where, you can tell where we're running well, so uh, one thing we noticed we both watched the um like harvey like sun um documentary as well on amazon and it was fantastic we both enjoyed it a lot but you just mentioned that you had highs and lows. And one of the things that jumped out to us when we were watching it was that we didn't really see many lows because you would come down, even though you'd been injured or you'd been, you know, something had happened or whatever. And you would come down off the trail and you'd, you'd see your dad. And there was one particular scene where you see your dad and he's cooked this food for you. And you are like over the top excited and grateful to it. And I was like, it's his dad. Like who's excited to see their dad, but Harvey is. And I'm thinking if it's one of my family members, I'm like, just give me something to eat, you know? <laughs> so are you always like this? Like, is that how you are uh, when you're doing your race or even this FKT? Is this your personality when you, when you come through an aid station or you get it to where your crew is? Is this who you are even when you're in a low spot? Most of the time, yeah. So even if I'm like um, really tired or something else, maybe I'll like, whatever I feel, I might be a little more quiet, like that's possible, but I don't get like angry or, or uh, if I'm feeling frustrated, I, I don't usually show it uh, out early. So yeah, that's pretty much how I am. And I always have a rule like with my, my teams in Badwater crews, I'm always like, we, we don't say any negative word. Like even if you're feeling that, like don't express it outwardly. 
if there's something that's going on that has to be resolved, like uh, with my bad war crew, I tell them, unless it requires me to help with resolving it, it's better to like not tell me what that may be. Like just you guys deal with that and like let me focus on just the running aspect. Unless it's something I need to know about, don't don't let me know. So always it's a rule to keep positive. And, uh, you know, I may have thoughts that enter my mind. Like I may think like um, I can think back in times where I, I was in the middle of a race. I'm like, man, I feel pretty like rough right now. What was I thinking to do this? <laughs> you know, but I don't let myself hang on that feeling very long. I I, I try to expel that and replace it with something positive. So I'm, I'm pretty conscious in terms of like my flow of mental thoughts. And it, and I, I like to keep them upbeat and positive. So on the Appalachian Trail, when I said those lows, yeah, I did, I did experience lows. There were like hours and hours and hours and hours where I was like just absolutely the most exhausted you can imagine or felt some discomfort from like the tendonitis in my shins. And like, that was frustrating because like you're trying to cover a long distance and it's, it's like something that cannot like instantaneously heal, you know? So you, you have to like endure through it and just keep on problem solving. So I've found like uh, putting ice on my shins, taping, compression, socks, like two times, you compression gear like all those things were helpful and then also getting a little body work when i could see a human being like that that helped to make it like so we could actually i could actually get through those injuries even though i was covering like 40 miles a day but i still would enter camp and be mindful of like the way i was because i knew if i brought negative energy into camp then that was just going to spread across everybody. So I would like aim to like conscientiously expel any sort of negative, negative thought I might have. I can remember like after I passed McAfee knob, which is kind of like a famous spot on the Appalachian trail, because it's a great Vista and it's this big giant rock. It's really um, one of the most photographed sites, especially before you get northward up towards like the white mountains and I can remember that I like had kicked so many damn rocks. <laughs> I probably kicked like uh, uh, over a hundred rocks. And I remember going up that and I just, I was at the point where I was really tired and my legs were not always going where I directed them. So I would like, I mean, I ran that Canadian death race and I fell down like one time. And when I fell down, I kind of caught myself like a push up. And I mean, I ran across thousands of like big, you know, giant round rocks and all kinds of other obstacles. And I didn't miss a step. But first four days on Appalachian Trail, I didn't fall at all. But then after that, I ended up falling over 100 times on the Appalachian Trail. Wow. And like going up that McAfee knob, I kicked a rock and it was, I ended up like breaking a plate in my foot. Um, so my two toes are like in the, my right foot are permanently splayed. Like there's a, a gap. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is ridiculous, but I felt that and I felt it as I was moving on it. And I just remember like later that day, I was like, 
thinking, man, maybe I should just disappear to the Caribbean or something. <laughs> like people forget that I'm in the midst of this thing. But I had gotten the whole, all my students were wound up about it. Like the news team here in Cincinnati, were, they were doing like a, a weekly feature where they update the like Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati about where I was on the Appalachian Trail. I, I just had so many people committed into it that I felt like uh, it was more than just myself. I was like, I couldn't give up at that moment. And I didn't want to give up. You know, I really didn't want to give up, but like it was very hard not to give up because it was one of those times where you're just like have all these forces that are pushing against you. And the idea of covering another thousand plus miles and this kind of terrain just seems like it's sometimes impossible. So you just have to like then, okay, I'm going to focus on getting to my dad in that next crossroads. And that's why when I come up to my dad, like it been, sometimes it's been a few hours. I'm just like so grateful to see like the food, the drinks, the human being. I've been thinking about that for hours. So I was so happy to see him. I think it's so cool. So, I mean, I, I talked about it in the intro and Jeff just referenced it from the video. But like when I think about you, because there, there was a video that I don't, I don't know if they call it went viral, right? But Courtney at Western States, when she's in the boat yeah. and you just see this gratitude and this joy and how kind she is in that moment of the race. And we talked about it. I was like, well, that's, you're the epitome of that. Like I go, oh, Harvey and Courtney are, are like the same in that aspect. Every time I've ever seen anything now, granted, I've never been there live, but everything I see of you, you're kind you're smiling, you're full of gratitude. And that really comes off. I'm interested in some of the things you just said, right? It's very intentional. At least now you're very intentional about how you handle those things. Is that something you have cultivated over time? Is that where you kind of naturally like that? Or if somebody's listening, do you have any tips or tricks on how you've developed that? Thank you, Jeremy. I mean, honestly, uh, Courtney is amazing. And, and, uh, and anytime you could like group me with her, I'm grateful. <laughs> you know, she, she is, she is much more, I think she's much more humble than I am. Uh, she is. And what you see about her, uh, anything you see about her online, that's actually the way she is in real life as well. She, she is definitely, um, yeah, a great representative for our sport. So I, I really appreciate being grouped with her, uh, anytime, but, uh, it's something that I've always been working on, like this idea, like dealing with like adversity and how you respond to it. So I can't say that it would, I, I have not always been this way. I would say that I, I was a little more positive on the positive side for sure. But like how I responded to like adversity, like I can think back to like my first 24 hour race back in 1997. So this is 26 years ago. And I had run my first 24-hour race the year prior. And I, I had trained all year long just for this one race because I was a poor college student. And I go and like, you know, do local races. We had like two races we did in Twin Cities. And I just remember like it started I, raining really hard and having like a storm in the midst of the, the race. And like mentally, that just kind of like knocked me out. I ended up... Uh, it was running still, I think like 90, maybe 93 miles or something like that. But I had had this dream of running 130 miles. 
to me at that time, that was like a giant ambition. Like uh, I had the previous year run like 81.3 miles in my first one. It, it's just once I saw that that rain and it wasn't the day I had envisioned it to be, it like totally threw me off. And like mentally, I just couldn't stick in it. So like today, I do try to envision like, you know, how a race may, may go. But I also try to like look at like how the worst it could be and like what could be the challenges that I might face. And nowadays, if I have like some crazy rain, uh, I hope that, you know, I usually am able to like deal with that and just sort of laugh about it, you know? (laughs) So I can think about like Big's backyard back in 2017 when it was Guillaume and I were like the final two runners there was a period where it was just pouring, pouring rain like crazy. And like we ran, like you could hardly see a, a two meters in front of you and like maybe not even like four or five feet. And we ran through the night like that. It was like just crazy, crazy rain. But I still am growing. Like so last year, in, in, or yeah, it was last year at um, the Barkley race, Courtney and I, we were on our second loop and it was, um, some of the most challenging conditions because we had rain and like 33 degrees. So it's like right on the fringe, we're getting a little bit of like sleeting, but it's just cold, wet rain. And like, uh, I thought that I had prepared like with my equipment enough, but I didn't like prepare the right equipment. And neither did she, she was dressed like in too light of rain gear. And so we were out there, we ended up um, getting, slow down at trying to search for one of the books um at uh leonard's butt slide and we like just once you slow down in that type of rain for like you know 20 minutes you start to get like really 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 chill mm-hmm. we ended up having to uh, uh, bail and like head back to the camp so i made that decision based on safety as well for both she and i um yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe uh, it, it's something I that this year I, I carry way too much rain gear. <laughs> so, you know, I'm still working on these things. But like the way I deal with like adversity now is like this year I anticipated that rain. I like got into cold water in the midst of my run. Crazy stuff. Like I'll just go run for like 12 miles in wintertime and then just get in the freaking cold water with the snow around and everything (laughs) then get out of the water go run a couple miles like it doesn't make any sense to most people but like that that's that's just training like so i'm mentally prepared for different adversities and so then i look at the cold and initially i would think oh i don't really like cold wet rain at 33 degrees but i tell myself like a hundred times i love when it rains and it's 33 degrees. <laughs> so you kind of like, you know, shift your mind. You start to think, oh, yeah, it's kind of fun to be out here in this rain. Yeah. So that that's that's part of it. Like, you know, training your mind to um, adjust to whatever the like conditions or simulate whatever it is you might be experiencing. I heard you say in another podcast that you tell yourself, no matter what the conditions are, that's your favorite conditions. And that you absolutely. That you- yeah, I thought that was so interesting that I was like, okay, that's how he prepped himself. That it's not, oh, I wish it was this, but if it, whatever it is, this is exactly my favorite. 
That's absolutely right. Yeah, the janitor was just asking about that yesterday. He's like, man, Harvey, it's like 95 degrees and it's like uh, 102 heat index. You're going running now? <laughs> He's like, what do you like? What kind of ra- weather you like? I'm like, well, it's whatever weather it is. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so good. On Thursday, January is going to be like negative 15. That's going to be great. So <laughs> just whatever it is. So good. So it's just interesting, interesting to me. One of the things you said, and I know we're, we're going to move over to a little bit more mindset stuff, but I wrote down this expression as you were talking, this idea that emotions are contagious. You, you said that, you know, when you come into your, your crew area, you come off the FKT, whatever it was, but you see your crew, you, you've told your crew positive only, positive only, positive only, and you yourself shake off any negative emotions. And I take that to heart because it's one of the ideas that if I come into an aid station, and I think even those who are listening probably can experience this. If you come into an aid station and you see your crew and you're talking about how bad you're feeling or whatever that negativity that you're feeling in that moment, then your crew is now absorbing this emotion from you and, and trying to assess and get you moving. But the next time you see them at the next aid station, they're already in a negative deficit because they're already thinking, what's Harvey, what's Jeff, what's, Jer- what's Jeremy going to be like when they come in? And they're already feeling contagiously negative. And so then they're trying to figure out, have you gotten better or not? And they'll start treating you with that emotion differently than they would if you saw them positively. So I think it's a really cool idea, the idea you shake off the negativity and you ask your crew to stay positive no matter what. Um, and to me, it's, a, it's like contagious emotions. It's because they do catch and you will share them basically with one to the next. Yeah. So that's what stood out to me as I was, my take-home point is I try to condense what you were saying for me. I do think like if you're a new into the sport, I, d- I don't think you, uh, I think you, people should be honest with their crew too. Uh, yeah. Right. Not fake. So, I mean, it's important to like say, uh, you know, I've got something that's hurting me. Like that's not being negative. That's mm-hmm. just being like honest. And like, I guess that's where David Goggins and I, we differ. Cause like I, I believe in like, yeah, like I will push through anything the same way he does or, or, or more. <laughs> like we, we, uh, we've been in a number of races together, but uh, I wouldn't tell someone to ignore, like mm-hmm. if it's negative 10 degrees and their feet are, are really cold, like that, no. Or if you got some sort of knee pain, that's different than like muscle fatigue or tired, like, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's important to um, protect your body for longevity as well. And I think like for me personally, like I will also with my crew that I trust, my my crew chief and Biggs, Judd, if I'm feeling something, I, I will tell him quietly so that he knows. But I'll still like, you know, hold it together. But I'll say like, look, uh, I'm really tired right now. You have any suggestions? Um, I'll just let him know that just between he and I. So I think it is good to be honest with people, but it's like, but like you said, if you come in with a negative, like, uh, disposition, you, you impact your crew and and vice versa. If your crew has a negative disposition, it's, you can overcome that, but it makes it more difficult. I think you make a great point. Both of you make a great point. And it brought me back. So Hillary Allen, we had her on the show. And the one thing I really took from her was, Hey, it's all about problem solving, mm-hmm. right? Everything's problem solving. And that's what you're saying. You're it's not that saying I have a problem is negative, but it's different. If I walk in and go, Oh, my foot really hurts. I don't know if I can do this. How am I going to, you know, that's, that's the attitude, here. right. That's the <laughs> attitude coming into it versus, Hey, 
I've got this problem. How do we solve it together? But but it takes that negativity out of it. And I I do think that's a very good point. It's not about ignoring the problems. Mm -mm. Oh, that's powerful. Right there is what you said is powerful. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. All right. So I want to get to to bigs here in a second because uh, I've done quite a few backyards and I, I know we've got people listening that are interested. But from a mindset standpoint, we've talked about some of it. What have you learned about yourself through ultra running? I know that's yeah. a big question too. But. That, that's a big, you guys asked some really good, big <laughs> philosophical questions. Yeah, I, I would say that I've learned that uh, the limits that we think exist is most frequently like uh, shorter than what what is the true capacity of uh human experience so you know like i i don't know what i would have ever imagined i could do in a in a sort of event like bigs but once you get all the ingredients together as last calls it and like you you start mixing it all together it's just the the uh the energy of the event learning the formula um trial and error uh the teamwork that exists um then it's possible to push these distances in way further than I would have imagined. So I learned little tricks like to keep my, to help myself move further. What's a trick that you use when, when you're having a hard time to move further? Well, like uh, one simple example might be like a mantra saying something uh, to program your brain to perform a certain thing. So you, you whatever you want the your body or your brain your 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 being to do you could tell yourself that you know <laughs> so i have a couple that are like my secret ones <laughs> oh you knew we were going to ask you <laughs> yeah, yeah. as we're like leaning forward but, uh, let's see um and then yeah just um i mean and then just a generic one you just like i i am strong you like you just keep on saying that like um in your mind or whatever you want to like program your your being to you know execute yeah it, it that helps like that would be an example of something that that helps that mentally you put into your like your being and and you can drive your engine further but there's uh yeah there's food like like the fueling so, I mean, fueling is a big element. Like when we first started doing these backyard ultras, like I jumped in in 2017, my first one. And I I love the strategy element. Going into that, I remember my friend Kyle Ferencamp, he's like, Harvey, I, I don't know, man. I'll, there's a lot of competition there, man. I don't, I don't know. And I know a lot of like people, like they thought, well, yeah, you probably maybe not, you're not going to make it as trails. They thought I was like a road runner or something. Cause I've won a lot of like 24 hour races. People thought maybe I'd be like, maybe I make the top 10, five. I don't know. But I was just observing the other runners and I was seeing like mistakes they were making, you know? And um, like, for example, one mistake that I saw immediately the first year I ran in 2017, everybody running up the first hill. and i think i was like the only one literally along with a few other people that came out and were only trying to run for like a half marathon or like something like that who were walking up the first hill and i'm just like man 
they're not going to be still going like this, uh, you know, tomorrow. I know it. And yeah, sure enough, like, um, you know, some of the top runners that were there, at least by the, the, the 150 mile mark or whatever, like they were not running up that hill, you know? And then, um, you know, Guillaume and I, we made a long ways, but um, the next year, everyone walked up that hill. And then when we did it in 2021, though, once it was down to Mori uh, Mori, Chris Roberts and I, Mori Mori and I started running up the damn hill. <laughs> and like after <laughs> So, yeah, I don't always follow my own advice. So sometimes I, I get a little impulsive. I need to like, uh, you know, step back and just relax. But but that's the example. Like I, I like to observe what I'm watching and I – I always, my, my brain is always strategizing. So I see, I, I'm very mindful of, of super details. Like that's a very large detail that I just, is is really interesting. And like nowadays, you know, every time I've been to bigs, people walk up that hill. So it's, that wasn't the case in before, before that year. So you have to be physically strong. Um, there's some, in bigs is going to be an amazing Battle Royale, like there are some really incredible runners coming to this race. I just came back from the Canadian death race. Uh, Ehor, uh, who's a Canadian runner from uh, British Columbia, he beat me by two hours in that um, Canadian death race. He finished like near the record in 12 hours something. And I was like 14 hours and 41 minutes. So he's going to be at bigs. Um, so physically, he, he is a, 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 a strong runner at 29 right and there's uh people coming that have won backyards in more than several dozen countries around the world so and you have 75 people that want to be the last person so it's it's quite exciting anything can happen and you have like just incredible talent coming to this race so it's going to be a real uh challenge Can I ask a question on that um, since we're on the topic of bigs right now? Um, so sure. for you, when it comes to the backyard and particularly this race bigs that's coming up, is it more important for you to see how far y'all can go or for you to win it? Uh, well, when I was in the uh, backyard ultra in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, down there in uh, the Dead Cow Gully, it almost felt like how far we could go as a community there. Mm. I wanted to win. And going in, I thought I was going to win. See, that's where Courtney and I are different. I sound like Courtney's so humble. She would never, she, she <laughs> win, but she won't tell you that. <laughs> like, so we were different in that respect. But I, I definitely like was in my intent was to win that race. But along the journey, I was really interested in helping every single runner out there go as far as they could. Because I knew that if we could get every single runner going the farthest they humanly could, then it would maybe be possible that we could do something special and set the world record. So for me, I gave my everything out there, but I also strategically spent some energy helping other runners, which helped me too. So I would say in that race, uh, yeah, I, I felt a little bit more that it was about how far we could go, although I still wanted to win the race. For bigs, I would say it's definitely like I would like to win the race. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not everything. I mean, I'm just thankful to be out there running and to enjoy the sport. Um, but I'm also competitive, and it's like a game. Mm-hmm. 
I definitely am going to do my very best to to try to pull off some crazy race to be able to somehow be the last person standing. But I mean, yeah, the odds are very like challenging against me. <laughs> I guess you could say with seventy five like you know stout runners, it's going to be quite quite fun. So for anybody listening, we've talked about backyard format several times on the show, but just in case you're new, you're tuning in and you haven't heard of Big's Backyard Ultra. So the backyard format, call it 4.17 miles every hour on the hour. And the math works out so that every 24 hours is a hundred miles. And it's, <laughs> it's big dogs, backyard ultra. And, you know, set me straight if I'm wrong, Harvey, but it's actually on Laz's property, his dog's named Big, so it's Big Dog's Backyard. It's literally his backyard, right? Um, it's I've heard it's not the easiest course compared to some of the courses that are run around the world. We've obviously over the last year or so had some big world records. I mean, you're talking 400-plus uh, miles, 101 hours, I think, is the current. Um, just incredible performances. To your actually point. Actually, uh, and three miles now i'm sorry and 103 hours now is that what it and, is wow uh, 412 miles yeah it was set in australia uh with phil gore uh who's a firefighter from western australia just a super nice guy uh he he was in the same race with me i was the third to final person mm -hmm. to go out and then he and sam harvey uh just uh did a phenomenal effort uh, and the course was not the easiest of courses either because it had like this big uh, variation in temperature from like freezing at night mm. to like 75 in the daytime. So it was like swaying back and forth 40 degrees. And so that made it really challenging when you're going like over 400 miles. Yeah. And so, so Phil, and so I apologize. I was thinking 102 because that's what they finished together, right? And then he did one more to set 103. Yeah. He did um, well. So I've been lucky enough to be, I've been in capital the last three years. And as you know, there's a big group come that comes. So Chris Roberts, I ran with him prior to him running with you. And that was kind of neat to share that course and then watch him go to assist for the world record at the time. Um, yeah. Either way, there's 75 people from around the world coming. It's probably the most competitive field out there. I would imagine. How do oh. you see this year playing out? Well, <laughs> he sees himself winning. Right. Besides yeah. you winning. Winning. that's so bad who's your assist yeah who, who's who's the assist and how far do you guys go <laughs> say that like um it's the number one rule is i like, never say how far <laughs> it's just gonna go as far as like humanly possible right right uh and the assist i can't really say that either like i mean there's i, I ran with phil gore he is a, a phenomenal runner he he is very strong and he's got an incredible formula for his sleep. So he, he's very hard to beat. Yeah, I've, I've seen some other runners out there. Like I said, Ihora, I'm, I'm not sure. I know he's done really well in Canada. Um, but there's there's five other runners out there like Ihora and and, uh, and also Phil that I don't even know of. Like, you know, they are coming from other countries or I've never ran with before. Um, there's Piotr who, who won last year. That was assist to him last year. There, there's a lot of really good runners. And uh, so I just have to come in there with like uh, a new level. And I've got to come in there with some new, uh, some little different things. And I just can't do the exact same program. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, going to be some mountain to climb. It's hard to say how things are going to play out, but uh, you know, I it, it's going to be something wild to to experience together, and and I hope for everyone watching, they'll, they'll be entertained. Well, let me ask this. I know we got to wrap up in just a minute, but so we have a previous guest, Jake Rostis, who was on the show new. Now he just uh, knocked out his first hundred, but he's going to be switching to backyards and he's like, Hey man, you know, I'm looking for some advice. I said, well, we got the man himself going to be on the show. Right. And so let's ask. So Jake's question though. So one aspect, obviously the race, because it's the same loop. I mean, at this point, you guys are going for days. So I would assume that there's got to be an aspect of it just being mundane. Obviously, you've got the physicality. So you know that at first, for a long time, it's not a matter of the body. Mm. What Does that make it tougher mentally knowing that it's going to go on for days when your body's okay? And how do you deal with kind of the, if it's mundane, how do you deal with that aspect of the race? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I say I really don't ever feel it's mundane to be honest. Really? With you. Yeah, because like the first day, there's a lot of chit chat. Like you can talk to everybody. There's going to be 75 people there, or any backyard you're in. There's always the opportunity to talk to people. So like that's definitely not boring. And then you got the change. Even though it's like running a 24 hour race, I think a lot of people haven't run one before, like on a on a course that's a loop course or a track have a harder time maybe imagining it but um that the course is always changing so i mean like it, it the sun the light is changing every hour if i'm not dialed in like thinking specifically you know what i need to do i'm making small adjustments every single hour like mindful of what i'm eating what i'm wearing you know what i'm my my stride is what every single aspect of every little detail because the difference of of winning and not winning it it is truly a matter of like one percent one percent one percent like one percent difference multiplied across enough hours is a huge factor you know you have to be alert like on that trail i mean i've seen runners fall down hard. I was just up in Canada and I was with uh, Shep, Matthew Shepard, and he broke his, I think something like his hip uh, on the big backyard. Um, so, I mean, it's not the most technical course in the world, but it's a much more technical course than the average backyard. Yeah. You know, you have to really be mindful, especially once you're like, you know, into like day two, day three, day four, day five, like you gotta be really mindful of where you're putting your feet every ounce of energy you've got like you have no extra energy to waste <laughs> you know so uh yeah there's just way too much to be thinking about the, to be mundane no that's way interesting. day like, four day that's, five that's interesting <laughs> yeah no, obviously i've gone i haven't gone anywhere let's see i guess 30 32 <laughs> loops is my I mean, you haven't even, you haven't even tripled me, Harvey, you know, Come on. pull it together. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, there's points of that race even early on where I found myself going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you go into those deeper areas, like you're further out in space of like what you've ever done, that like your mind goes places too. Like, I mean, so man, it's just nothing like it, it could never be boring. <laughs> like, 
it's entertaining to see the people's reaction as you're running by. Like, like, like yeah. oh my God, <laughs> so they're gonna die. All right, so two last questions. I, I'm interested personally. I've heard people kind of theorize that like, hey, as the science, as we start to figure this out, right? That, hey, if we can get enough sleep and we can be efficient with calories and that this could almost go on indefinitely. Right. And so being where you are, knowing what we know now, watching how quick it's stretched out over the last couple of years, how far do you think it'll go? Like, what do you think the, the limits are? Do you think, and, and also, I guess the follow-up is, do you think backyard can outgrow itself? Yeah. So the limits, like it, it really is, uh, the course has a major impact. So I mean, right. Like uh, in Belgium, they had a very nice like golf course type experience <laughs> on grass. There was like not a lot of climbing. So, you know, like that kind of course lends itself to like going so far. And then you could have some races like Minnesota has a race on a mountain uh, near Duluth. And like you have to go climb up a big, you know, section each loop. So, I mean, definitely like, yeah, there are always going to be, you know, the, the hundred meter like dash is still like right. exciting to watch, you know, like uh, the 9.86 seconds one won it this year in the world championship. There's only been one runner to go further, faster, like, mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, the fastest time uh, with uh, Hussein Bolt. Um, but the hundred meter is still like extremely exciting. And there's still like the possibility of going faster than Bolt, you know? So with the backyard ultra, like I, I just can't ever, like, if I were to say it a, a specific distance, that would limit myself. Mm -hmm. So I will not say a specific distance because I, I can't limit my mind in the way I think Like I have to go out there and just experience, but I think it's very possible to go very far and much further than we have already for sure. And I don't think it's necessarily going to outgrow itself because the great thing about the backyard is it's not like uh, an Ironman event. Um, it doesn't cost over a thousand dollars to run, so or to 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 do it. Like it's it, it's it's very affordable for anyone in the world to set up an a backyard ultra. There's no like you know fee that they have to pay to last. So like you're seeing that these races are forming all over the world. Like there's now like over 55 countries and like thousands and thousands and thousands of people running in these races every year now. And like it all started on Laz's property where, you know, they, that was it uh, for, for like, I guess about a decade, you know, just that one race. When I first did the race in 2017, there were a lot of people that went out that were just planning to go and run like for a half marathon or go do their first ultra. And like, that's the only thing that's kind of disappointing about bigs is I experienced it back then. And now it's like a totally different event that everyone going there is like, just going to like all out battle. And you know, it's like a total battle fest. Like everyone's going to like, try to be the last person standing versus before it was like much more uh, laid back. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I think it's a really great event because it, it it's um, people can go out and still like, 
just do like uh, a marathon or go for their first hundred miles. Uh, and it's easy to set up. So they're, you know, it's possible to find one probably close to where you live. And uh, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, me personally, without stretching the time out, it's, it's interesting to think that, Hey, if we could figure it out and it, it were to go 10 days, 12 days, you know, if you start stretching that out, it's like, okay, how, how many times can you repeat that to figure out just how far it goes? Cause people at some point do have to work. And I'm sure eventually that <laughs> that starts to wear on like, okay. I mean, it's already scary enough to think five days, like what does that do to the body? Imagine if you doubled that, those types of things. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I meant by outgrow. Um, mm. And we can even cut this part out if we need to, but that, that was my curiosity is like, Hey, at what point does it get to the point where it's like, okay, I think we've done enough. Let's find another format or make that difficult. Do it on an extreme course or, you know I mean? Something like that. Like you say, you can always mix it up, but. Yeah, I think it's like, that's a good point. Like, I don't really like the idea of just solely seeking like a, a very easy course just to get like the furthest distance ever in the sense of like, like, sort of going away from the tradition of having like 11, 12 hours on the trail and 11 and 12 hours on the road. So for example, you could have like someone set up on a track and I don't feel like that's a true backyard ultra, right. even running like 4.167 miles. It just doesn't seem like, um, like the authentic uh, origins of the race. And like, so even if they made it like however many days, maybe on a track, you could make it like exponentially more days it, it just doesn't seem like the same sort of character of the race. And I think that character of the race is what draws people to it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like maybe we will, we will get to some, you know, higher benchmarks where it's harder to break that record and it takes a few more years or a longer period. But where we are right now in the sport, it definitely feels like the world record or records on bigs can basically be broken like every year for some time now like uh at least that's what it feels like right yeah it's kind of why i asked the question earlier is it more important to to win it or to go the furthest you know what i mean like like the furthest of the records and stuff so that's why i was curious yeah. about that for the same kind of reason yeah so i have one last question and um it's it's we've talked about bigs a lot and everything so but i don't want to make the assumption at all so if you had one race to choose to run for the rest of your life. You could not run any other races. Only one. <laughs> what would it be and why? He's like, why that's torture me? Well, honestly, that's a great question. Um, and I, I, I probably wouldn't have necessarily chosen this race except for the way you phrased it. So I, I would say it would be bad water still uh, because, I was you know, because yeah because bigs is um it's not but mundane but like bad water is extraordinary beauty mm -hmm. and like uh there's a different sort of like uh spiritual high you get from running out in the desert in that sort of environment that is pretty much impossible to duplicate so i mean like running in bigs even like uh i can't entire I can go almost to like absolute zero on the tank, but in like bad water, I can go almost to like, I can go down to about zero in the tank 
And I have a safety net of having an amazing crew with me. So when I also want to finish the race, it feels like I'm not just finishing the race. It feels like our whole team is finishing the race because we are. Like having their support is like giant. So I love the camaraderie with the other runners. I love the like the the connection we have with our team. Like that you have to have the team leapfrog you across the whole 135 mile journey. And like being in a 120 plus degrees and with just these incredible landscapes is just something that is uh, like puts you in an out, out of body experience. So I can't get that same level of like natural high from any other race in that regard. But I have some, you know, number, a couple of favorite races, but that if I had to just choose one, I could only do the rest of my life. That would be the one. That was our guest as well. That was our guest. And this is a testament to you. I heard you say on another podcast that Chris Kosman from this past year said that you were the most tired looking runner, right? That he's ever seen. And uh, we've, seen a lot. we've had Did him he... on the show. We know he's seen a lot. So I actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> he told me something like that, but I didn't know. He was like, you were like in the top number, just a few oh. top two of the I've ever seen ever, but now he, he said to you guys, I was the tired, most tired. No, 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 let me, I'm saying, I heard you talk about it on another oh, podcast. So, oh, okay. so yeah. that, that, that was me hearing going, wow, that's a, that's a big statement, but. <laughs> yeah, it was. So I was like, wow, he actually mentioned that to you guys too. <laughs> yeah. But he did say that. And honestly, like, that's kind of funny. Like that, that's actually a positive com compliment. That <laughs> like, good. Yeah, it was a positive compliment because I know I was. And I literally like gave everything I had this year a big, I mean, at bad water. Um, like I ran 375 miles just, you know, less than uh, like two weeks before the race. And then I ran that race. I went uh, the first marathon, like three hours, 35 minutes with that heat. And then I was like, I was tired physically tired in my legs by like mile 16 but i was like i refuse to listen to this i'm like <laughs> the people in front of me are just human just like me <laughs> so i'm gonna go and I'm gonna stay with the japanese runner who had won the last two years and we just keep on going and then yeah i got to mile 42 and that was like i think the fastest i ever hit that mile 42 or at least the top two fastest across the 12 years and I did slow down um, the last 30 miles, but I was able to hold on to that third place because uh, I had another uh, young man who was like battling me for that right behind me. And it was exhilarating to finish though and like to see that it's possible because I didn't know if I was going to finish last that race or maybe be able to pull out what we did. I really had no idea whatsoever. And yeah, getting into the car also between um, – because we had to reroute the course, so you had to get in a car for, like, two and a half miles to transport you across this, like, area, which was a highway. Man, I was so, like – actually, it was a 20-minute car drive. I was so sore getting out of that car in order to restart. So like, I say that's one of the toughest things in a race. If you ever have to, like, stop the race – get in a vehicle and go somewhere and you start again. <laughs> yeah. That was like going home. <laughs> I call it going home. <laughs> I, 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 I did the first like quarter mile. It took me like about five minutes. <laughs> Once I got out of the car, I'm like, so stiff. 
it's hard to restart the motor. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, look, man, we know you have our run to get to. You have been so gracious with your time. We've kept you back or kept you longer than we promised. Um, all good. For the ultra running guys family, just thank you so much for, for tuning in. And as always, we're just going to ask if you're finding the value, share with your friends, give us the review. Um, you know, I had the ask at the beginning about Spotify, but we really appreciate you guys and Harvey, man, it's been an absolute honor, not just because of what you've accomplished, but who you are. Um, and you've been so kind to us and we just appreciate your time. Thank you, Jeremy and Jeff. Thank you guys so much. And, Really fun to be on here with you tonight. And I wish all the listeners uh, great adventures ahead in their next race uh, or just out there running or hiking. So all the best. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. And we will talk soon. Cut. Kind of cool. I like it. So yeah. all right. Let's there go. we go. Hopefully I didn't come across as too like um, – cocky about stuff are you kidding me i think i'll go try to win the race we normally do have like 10 rapid fire questions for you because you're a teacher we have are you smarter than a fifth grader probably like the spotify is easy that's what i do or i go directly to the site and then just whatever yeah Yeah. spotify is probably and and don't forget that star rating (laughs) there There (laughs) only if it's a five what are you eating Oh, I'll stop eating when we start recording. <laughs> did you guys start recording yet? Did you? Well, we, we record the whole This will go in our behind the scenes bloopers. Oh, okay. But... Sorry, because I'm always eating. That's the problem. See, with me, I'm always eating, but I'll stop. No, no, no. I'll tell you one of my favorite that actually, and I really enjoy, we just had him. He was our last release, and he was at Badwater, was Aaron Hale. Oh, Aaron Hale. Um, I have to listen to this. Yeah, maybe I'll listen to it tonight. I go running. And you guys, I hope to see you at a race. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you will, we'll be this. Good job, Harvey. <laughs> we'll no, see you no, on day no. six. <laughs> Keep it up with what you're doing down there. Thanks, man. We Thank appreciate you very much. You. Have Pleasure a wonderful night. Have a good night. See you. Bye-bye, guys. See you. And while you're doing big, since you've got so many hours to spend with people, just go ahead and give um, our name out and tell them we all, we need that's them right. all as guests. So that's good. That was- <laughs> Oh, absolutely. All right, listen, thank you so much. We recognize the fact that you are probably just hanging on just for a couple more minutes as you're finishing up your run. But really, we do want to give you a huge thank you for the constant support that you've shown us. We hear you and we feel you. And the best way for us to continue to grow is for you to share us with your friends. Tell them what you put in your ears when you're out there on a long run. Hit the like button, leave us a comment, um, leave a review, and give us some direct feedback on what you like about the show and also what you don't like. We're here to improve and do it for you. And it really means the world. And listen, if you would like to support financially, you can connect with us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ultra running guys, or you can use the support link in the show notes. Any and all support goes directly back into growing the show and helping us get better at what we love to do, which is to serve all of you. And with that, finish up that run, get cleaned up and just show up. Clean. Clean. Clean.